Hello all and welcome to Swing the Small Stuff on the Go. This is kind of just a new fun thing we're trying to experiment with where sometimes I, your personal brain trainer, get a really good idea or I think it's a really good idea for an episode and I really want to record it but we're traveling and it's hard to record but I still want to get it out to you in time. So I record wherever I am and do my best to make sure it's the best audio quality possible. With that in mind, I went ahead and recorded this episode on John Wick's John Wickonomics with uh, your neural nutritionist, Sam. Yeah, this is kind of a weird new thing, but this is a weird new show, and we'd like to have fun and experiment. And if it's not fun, why bother doing it? I would also like to give a quick shout-out to Alex Wells. He was awesome enough to step up and, well, basically just edit the uh, audio since this was a rush order, and we were out here, and I needed someone who could back me up, and I had no one else around. Uh, so big shout out to Alex for not just helping edit the audio, but also helping clean up the audio because when you're on the go, sometimes the noises you weren't expecting end up in the audio. So big shout out to you and you can find out more about him and his stuff in the show notes. Anyway, get excited because it's our first, uh, swing the small stuff on the go. And without further ado, here's the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to Swing the Small Stuff on the Go. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamary, and today I'm joined by... Your neural nutritionist, Sam. So Sam, we're in a pretty special place today. Yes. We're in God's forsaken land. Louisiana. Don't, don't mock. I will mock. This This is the place that spawned you. <sighs> okay, so... On the flight over here, I had the great fortune of rewatching John Wick 2 because I was trying to remember all the nonsense that triggered John Wick 3. <laughs> and while I was watching it, I, well, I think you kind of helped me come across this idea, which was the economy of John Wick is the, like, I get that it's based on a graphic novel and it's designed to, like, look cool and be fun, but it does not make a lot of sense. Yeah, perplexing, to say the least. Like, <laughs> the way just the price of things is outlandish. And, <laughs> like, it, it really, there's, I don't understand it. So, for today's episode, since we're on the go and just having fun, I thought it'd be fun to take kind of a lighthearted look at the John Wick economy, to the best of my knowledge, based on what I've seen in the three movies, and break down kind of the different currencies so I'll I'll get some minor spoilers out of the way for you real fast. Um, all right. So minor spoilers from John Wick 3. Uh, so first of all, we were introduced to a new currency. I just want to get out of the way first because it didn't have a lot of explanation behind it. It was just like a weird catch-all thing, which was the ticket system. So in John Wick 3, John Wick has the cross, the little metallic cross in his hand. Mm -hmm. And apparently... It's like your one get-out-of-jail-free card for, like, when you need a super favor. Ah, uh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> and what I appreciated about that was, like, the way they the way it works basically forces you to acknowledge that you only get one. Because the way they punch the ticket, that like, they get... That's <laughs> my favorite thing about John Wick is how, like, they just go over the top with the hand-fisted puns. Where it's like, we're going to punch your ticket. This is taking your ticket. And so the stub is like he, they rip the cross off of off of the necklace, and I guess this is because of his like family oranges as like. Wait, was that family oranges? Family oranges, <laughs> as a I guess super Russian orphan assassin, 
um, where he just gets one of these and gives it to them because he needs a favor. He's become excommunicado. I said there were spoilers. I'm shaking my head. Anyway, so... Technically, is... that's a John Wick 2 spoiler. Is it? It happens at the very that's end of the true. film. That's true. That's true. Okay, so it's not really a spoiler. And this is like the only real thing I'm going to be mentioning that even is a remote spoiler. But he punched a ticket by taking the cross, set, putting it in a fire, and then searing it into your back. So it's very clear that your ticket has been punched. So you can't use it again. So that, that was the first thing about the currency system that was weird. But I think it's important because it sets up that the John Wick universe is not based on a traditional expectation of currency. Like in an economy, currency is basically just these stubs that represent value, right? Mm -hmm. But the stubs are fungible. They have the idea that each piece of currency is worth each other piece of currency. Okay, what is, what's fungible? Exactly that. It means that if I pay you $1 in cash, that is every $1 is $1. But as we're about to discuss during this episode, there are a lot of different quote-unquote currencies that each have different like value tiers, uh. but they're all completely socially based. There's no actual monetary backing to kind of how they work. It's basically more like exchanging favors of different severities. Or... Could you say it's more like a bartering system where that like would... you're not it's not actually it's kind of up to the parties and what the value really is. So that's kind of the big thing is that you kind of get this one big favor you get to call in from your family mm -hmm. using this ticket. The second one is, as you just pointed out in the bartering system, kind of like what are the different degrees of favors? And so the next one we're going to talk about is what's called a marker. And this is kind of like. The big thing from John Wick 2 and John Wick 3 is you have a token that you stamp it with your literal like blood thumbprint. And the tokens are supposed to be like a huge IOU one. So the ticket you get at birth and you kind of just like get one. Favors are over the course of the series, over the course of the books and the movies. Basically, like if I do something, if I do a big enough favor for you, then you owe me one. And the way you prove that is, like, you prick your finger and you stamp it on the inside of the coin to show that, like, I gave you an IOU one. Yeah, and it's and it's like, uh, I have this drastic thing that I need to be done. So as an incentive for you to do this really, like, drastic thing and help me out with this really big thing, I'm going to give you this IOU that's like, that this is a token that says, when the future, no matter what it is, I can't refuse it. And I have to do another thing for you. And that's the weird thing about the social currency is that in a normal barter system, in any real economy, there is no IOU. Like there's no legal way in the United States government for there to be an IOU that says no matter what, you have to come pay this IOU. There's social expectations that like if law enforcement shows up and asks you for something, you have to cooperate. But there's no real like contract you make in the united states government between individuals that says like i have done you this favor and now you are forever in my debt until i call in a different favor well not to not to the severity like i feel like you can maybe compare it to um you know like suing someone over money because you had a deal and then they didn't pay them back or even like you compare it to bankruptcy where in times of bankruptcy, then they'll, like, take assets from you. Like, you could take your home or your car or something like that. I feel like that could be comparable, but definitely not to the severity as in John Wick. I think that's a really good point. 
But the one thing that really sets the marker system apart from like other systems is the open-endedness. Because it seems like you two have to agree on what is fair between your two. And in John Wick 2, we see there's like this weird system where like on the one hand, this guy comes to him and is the reason John Wick was able to get out and have a wife and have the happiness he has that leads into John Wick 1. Mm-hmm. But then the equivalent, like the flip side of that was now you have to go murder like one of the top enforcer leaders. That was like your flip side, pay me back. And the repercussions are blowing up his house and endangering his life. That like that part of the contract is buck wild. And I, again, we acknowledge <laughs> this is a fun fantasy verse. Well, yeah, again, this contract is like by me agreeing to do this really hard thing for you. You are basically giving me an IOU that I get to call in whatever I want. And if you don't do it, then you're dead. Like, then your life is forfeit if you don't agree to do this thing. And this is the one thing about the currency that still makes it have, like, the elements of a major currency. Because a currency has to be recognized by multiple authorities Mm -hmm. as being whatever it is. So if I go to, and I go anywhere in Europe, I jump between countries in Europe. Everywhere that accepts euros acknowledges how much a euro is worth. Yeah, and I was going to say, for example, but if I'd show up with Monopoly money, you know, that's a currency. It has values on it, but no one puts real value on it. It's like, that's just paper. That's from a board game. But what's important here is the fact that all those countries agree the importance of maintaining the value and honoring the value of that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And in this case, what we see across the entire, like, John Wick averse is that If you have a marker, like people understood that John Wick had to go kill someone and they still are upset with him. But it seems like they're the the pain of them killing one of their top enforcers, knowing the deal that was made that led him to this path makes it socially acceptable in a way for him to do it. Yeah, you were forced to do this terrible thing. So there's still blood on your hands, but not as much anger towards it. This finally brings us to... My favorite messed up currency from the John Wickiverse, which is kind of like the key actual currency, which is the gold coins. The coins. (laughs) So in John Wick, they have these gold coins that are the, the traditional kind of when you think of like how you would pay for things normally. You wouldn't always pay for like a Diet Coke or whatever with a blood oath. You would probably pay for it with money or some sort of payment. And what I love is that they're basically the size of the, like, U.S. 50-cent coin. Like, mm-hmm. they're, just they're, they're big of, boys. Just those large coins that seem like they're inefficient for stacking, but whatever. And so the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to discuss quickly, like, there are a bunch of different little ways those coins play out in the John Wickiverse in terms of, like, how much they're worth. So each of, like, you in the second movie, we see him pay for two drinks, like a gin and tonic and just a glass of bourbon um dry or straight neat neat a glass of (laughs) bourbon neat with one coin that's a huge amount of money to be playing for what i assume to be not necessarily top shelf alcohol yeah like what twenty dollars at most of drinks (laughs) i don't know it's the continental it's an expensive hotel it's a continental (laughs) italy it's got all those italian taxes oh yeah who knows what that's probably that's actually that might be (laughs) economically accurate um then throughout the movies we see like he has to buy guns and apparently buying guns is like three or four coins suits 
that have bulletproof lining is a few coins. Buying blueprints to the catacombs of the place he's about to go assault is like three or four coins. So like, again, this is like a tailored suit, a bunch of machine guns. I feel like a bunch of machine guns, even for a bulletproof tailored suit, is like significantly more expensive. Yeah. Although they probably have a plethora of guns. It may be difficult to find a good tailor. That's true. Especially a good tailor who knows his very subtle frame. Although then again, Keanu Reeves' entire frame hasn't changed since the 14th century, depending on which <laughs> like classical painting you look at. So God only knows. And then the blueprints. The blueprints are like weird because that was like going to the library and then they expecting the librarian to like ask for like $10,000 for showing you some blueprints. I'm trying to remember. I feel like in the first one, maybe even the other ones, doesn't he pay for a room at the Continental yeah. or like one coin? Yeah, a content a room at the Continental is one coin. Yeah. This swank, like nice hotel. And the the problem with the John Wick paying for things part is that it seems like the economy is skewed in his favor because everyone owes him something by default. And this goes back to this kind of social currency economy. Um and actually now's a great time for me to introduce a very important Element. This is kind of like, now that we've gotten through all the different currencies, I want to bring up this one Reddit user because he points out something that led me to a realization that I really think is like where the John Wickerverse explodes. Oh, all right. Currency-wise, because I'm a big nerd. <laughs> so, first of all, from our fan theories, shout out to TenderHellbender9. You've been Reddit doxed. What a great name. All right, go on. So the skinny is, oh wait, sorry, quote, I, I should put some fun music over this. <laughs> So the skinny is, the gold coin system is a hybrid of a gift culture economy and a currency economy. So when an assassin takes a job, the amount of gold coins can be negotiated between the two interested parties. But for every other job that does not involve killing, only one coin is needed. And the gold coin act as a favor of sorts. Everyone in the community agrees that every coin denotes a favor which can be as complex as booking a room with many amenities and as simple as ordering a drink. As long as everyone is on it, the economy works. Hmm. Of course, only in the confines of the assassin world. For the assassin to have real money, maybe exchange services are provided. Something that would turn those gold coins into, like, cash. This is just me jumping in real fast. Ah, uh, okay. This system is also convenient because no large amount of money need be hauled. A suitcase full of coins is enough, and no huge sums are visible on account balances or transactions. However, because new deals happen over time, and as John has shown, coins can be saved for a later time, there has to be an influx of new coins, and that's what we see Winston expecting in the second movie when we see him in the rooftop garden. There have to be coins moving around, otherwise no new jobs could be taken, and the system would be paralyzed. This system still requires of you to be a good assassin because you would have to give a coin for every gear and service you need. People low in rank could never amass as much coins as John or any other assassin, so they only have a lean living in the assassin world. Now, this is amazing. I would like to give this Reddit user a huge shout out because there are three things that he introduces that are significant. One, this currency is only valuable to assassins because of the way it is honored and the fact that it's implied that these gold coins have more value to assassins than they would if I just turned the gold coins in for cash money. Mm -hmm. There's a added unseen value. This is the same reason that 
one US dollar, the materials needed to make it are not worth one US dollar. Yeah. And yet it is worth more than the material it is used to make it. Otherwise, our economy would be really dumb. The second thing they introduce is a problem you see in the economy in general, which is you can have people amass large quantities of cash that they don't move around. Mm -hmm. I hate to use an example of like the ultra wealthy, but the idea here would be if I become super rich, I'm going to still spend money how like I would spend money normally. That might not be enough of my money to keep the the economy, the currency and the economy flowing regularly. So let, let's say for a moment, like you are super valuable to this podcast. And so you get paid millions, billions of dollars. Oh, why, thank you. Yes, I've been mean to talk to you about your promotion. Congratulations. <laughs> I am unfortunately am trying real hard to keep this podcast afloat. So I only get paid a modest sum because a lot of the money is going to the podcast. So And to the talent. To the talent, that is correct. So what we see is money coming in in this large sum. And the money going out is, let's say, 50% goes to you, 10% goes to me, and 40% goes to the podcast. I'm, this is a horrible example. I'm just doing it <laughs> for the purposes of my straw man argument. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for this to play out. Go on. So in this case, you're John Wick. You are providing an invaluable service keeping this podcast afloat with your incredible, awesome voice. I mean that. <laughs> that sounded so insincere. Um, so logically, you and I have the same amount of expenses that we need every month. We need to pay our rent. We need to pay our, for food. We need to pay for clothes. We need to pay for gas. But you have way more money than me. So you're going to probably spend more money on, like, you might have a fancier car. You might have a nicer apartment. You might buy better food. But at the end of the day, you're probably, because of the drastic difference in the amount of money we have, you probably aren't spending a ton of your money. You might be spending half of it, whereas I might be spending most of mine. Of all the money I have, it's in, it's being put back into the economy because I need services. The money for the podcast is being put back in the economy because we need to keep the platform up. We need to buy new equipment, whatever. But not all of your money is going back into the economy. You're saving a big chunk of it. I feel like another more succinct example or just a more succinct way to say it would be if I got a huge influx of money. Let's just say I got a huge lump sum of money all of a sudden, but I decided not to change really my lifestyle and how I was living. So now I'm still spending the same amount, but I have this other huge amount that I'm just keeping in a bank somewhere and not touching. Now, here's the problem with that example that I was actually trying to navigate to was the bank. There is no bank in the John Wickiverse. The point of the bank is that you give them your money, and they actually put your money into circulation saying that people who take a loan, they get a higher interest rate, and you get a low interest rate. So while your money's in the bank, it's accruing value mm -hmm. by this small interest rate, but it's still in the economy because being given out in the form of loans. In the John Wickiverse, the coins aren't given out as any form of loan. They sit in your basement, as we saw John Wick doing. A lot of people just hoard the coins. We have not seen any system by which there's a quote-unquote bank where these coins are being circulated, or you can get, like, coin loans to get special hits done. Okay, you're right. So it'd be, it'd be more like if I got a huge amount of money and then I decided I don't trust banks and I'm going to bury it in my backyard. Yeah, and so this actually leads us to the most amazing part of this, which is the fact that Winston is inspecting those coins in John Wick 2. As we just pointed out, coins can't circulate easily in this economy if someone decides to hoard them. But... 
the or the continental or the table or whoever the leadership organizations are, they still need to be able to send out coins for hits or to keep the economy flowing. Mm -hmm. Because those lower tier people, it's not fair to them if the higher tier, higher tier people keep hoarding all the coins and don't use them in the economy. Yeah, everything kind of stops if there's no money to go around. <laughs> but here's the problem, is because they're minting new coins and putting them into this social economy, and the people who have the coins don't necessarily need to get rid of theirs, we have inflation. We have social economy inflation introduced in John Wick. There is your big boom moment. <laughs> if I'm John Wick and I have like the so I think he has like hundreds of coins in his little basement setup. Prop, yeah. And then he has other coins scattered in different like drop locations throughout New York City. So like he has no small sum of coins. Each one of them is worth probably like I, I think what is a hit maybe like a few coins. Probably, yeah. So he has a not unsubstantial amount of money that is not being circulated in the John Wick economy. So Winston has to go mint new coins and put them out into the economy, which means that over time, the value, the social association of any one coin is going to go down because now it becomes John, easy for John Wick to just trivially throw a bunch of coins out saying, I need you to do this task for me and I'm willing to pay more than the other guy because the other guy still was skimping off of like however the economy is working before. Wait, wait, I love this. I love that, like, that John Wick basically coming out of retirement shocked the economy, is what you're saying. Yes. I'm, I'm like, well, that's the funny thing is, like, he still isn't shocking the economy. Like, he's not throwing his coins all over the place. He still kept most of them in the basement. He just grabbed enough to kind of go do stuff. I guess that's true. I guess it isn't drastic enough. But my enough. point here is, like, it's equally bad because he went into retirement with a ton of money. That's like saying that someone... Like that's like saying that Warren Buffett decided tomorrow that he would like to go into retirement, and for some reason he had like, let's just be generous and say a tenth of all the cash in all of the world, and he just decided he was never going to spend that cash again, and put it in a bank or anything. So a tenth of all money in the whole world just went into like it went out of existence because he wants to hoard it, which is fine until he well it's not fine because. <laughs> Like, this is good. It would be if the currency becomes more scarce, it becomes more valuable. But then he comes back a few years later and he has the opportunity to just push all that money back into the economy. Mm -hmm. And that will totally screw with things because suddenly a tenth of the world's money five years ago reappeared and services are now going to become more expensive because of this influx of cash. This is basic economics. This is. <laughs> and so that's what I would like to explain to everyone. John Wick's most dangerous element is not the fact that he is a trained killer. It's the fact that he could topple the John Wick assassin economy just by existing. Uh. <laughs> and on that note... I... That sounds like a great note to end on. <laughs> yes. Uh, so do you want to plug anything? Um, sure. You can find me, as always, on Instagram at lil.baby.banshee. That's L-I-L dot baby dot banshee. And I'm your personal brain changer, Cameron Buzaj Jamari. You can find all of our stuff um, on social media at Small Stuff Show. And if you have thoughts on how we handled the John Wicker versus social economy, please hit us up at smallstuffshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter with our at Small Stuff Show handle. 
I'd also like to give a shout out that if you like this episode and you'd like to support us, we do have a Patreon. So please go check us out there. Or if you want to get our episodes in a way that's not through a podcast, you can go check out our YouTube. Both are bit.ly forward slash STSS Patreon or bit.ly forward slash STSS YouTube. All lowercase. And I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzer Jamiri, reminding you from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. Bye. Bye.